We are on Yivamos Chavhei Amabez 25b2 in the Art Scroll Gemara. We're up to a new Mishnah. The Mishnah continues the theme of the previous Mishnayos, where it discusses various cases uh, where we say that because of that scenario, there's concern uh, they were involved in some aspect of the previous marriage, and so therefore. Uh, if they were to get divorced, if the original marriage would get divorced, that person could not marry uh, the wife. And so we'll see the specifics of the, of the two cases that are discussed in the Mishnah, and then we will see uh, the Gemara. Uh, after we conclude this recording, we will, have com- we will complete the, the daf, the page, and then we have just a little bit more left, another Mishnah and a little bit more of the Gemara, until we complete the second parak, the second chapter. So this is very exciting that this is the completion of the second chapter, of essentially 24 weeks, 24 weeks of studying uh, Meseches Yevamos. It's almost almost a half a year of the completion of of, of what we've done through through Yevamos. So says the Mishnah. Uh, the law is that if a if a wife takes a vow. If she makes a vow and she takes upon herself various uh, prohibitions, she says that she's not going to do this or to do that. Um, so then, that could impact the marriage. The husband does have, if it impacts the relationship that she has with her husband, the husband has the right to annul that vow on the day that he hears about it. But if he doesn't annul the vow, so then it is viewed as a it's a valid vow that she takes upon herself. Um, but there, there's also another way to annul a vow, a vow which is through a bezdin, through a court uh, of usually of three. We'll see in the Gemara that this case is a case of one, of an individual, and they could annul the vow of the wife. Um, we find this, uh, we do this also. This is the idea of kol nidre and hataras nadarim uh, today, where we need a bezdin of of three. We need three people to. Uh, listen to us as we request for the annulment of the vows, and then they annul the vows. And so over here, we have a case here where a wife uh, took on a vow. She went to a chacham, to a rabbi, uh, to annul a vow, and he did not annul a vow. He said that, I cannot annul a vow, or you can only annul the vow uh, under certain conditions, and he said, I cannot. Because of that, that caused, potentially, uh, we're concerned that it might have caused a friction between the husband and the wife, and that's why they got divorced. And so therefore we say that if that chacham, that rabbi, was the one who uh, did not annul the vow, he cannot then go ahead and marry her. Because let's say he didn't annul the vow, uh, it was a pretty serious vow, They, as a consequence it impacted the husband, they got divorced, and now he goes and marries her, it looks, it looks pretty bad, because it looks like the reason why he did not annul the vow was because he wanted her to get divorced so that he could then go ahead and marry her. And so therefore we take extra precautions to make sure that these rumors do not spread about uh, about this rabbi. And so therefore we say you're not allowed to marry uh, that wife, that woman. That's case number one. Case number two is Case number two is, uh, let's say it's a case of Mia. Mia is something that we described in the past where there's a marriage with a girl who's under the age of 12, and she could do mian, she could uh, completely, retroactively annul the marriage uh, through Beisden. And so let's say you have a Beisden who annuls the marriage of this girl, 
uh, before she's 12, or it's a case of chalitza. Case of chalitza, which is a, a form of divorce in that context of yibam, which also requires a bezdin, it requires a court of three in both those cases. So it's because it's in front of three people, so then one of those three would then be allowed uh, to marry this girl who's under 12, even if she, when she turns above the age of 12, uh, or to marry the uh, the woman who did chalitza. It would be permissible, and the reason for that, as the Gemara is going to explain, is because when we are only discussing one person, so then there's a concern that that one person is going through all these devious ways to find a way for the wife, for this woman, to get divorced, or a chalitza, whatever the case is, and then he's going to go ahead and marry her. But if it's just one out of the three, so then there is no concern. We do not assume that the other two are going to be part of this plan of this one individual who wants to marry this woman. We don't assume that such a thing happens. And so therefore, if it's in the context of three, if we need three people uh, to be involved, so then we're going to say that one of the three is allowed to marry uh, that woman. So let's see the Gemara. The Gemara says as follows. With regards to the first case, the first case says that the Chacham, who does not annul a vow, the Gemara wants to know, the implication is that he had the ability to annul a vow. So what exactly, what, how many people are we are involved here? Haitiri Yisan, it sounds like if he did permit her to annul to her husband and did annul the vow. Uh, so then, if they did get divorced, then he is allowed to marry her. So, what exactly is this case where he had the ability to annul the vow? How many people are, are we dealing with? But Elim and If we're dealing with just one individual, in general, we assume that one person cannot annul a vow, as we said, as the Gemara quotes. We need three people. You need a court of three to annul a vow. And, we, and the end of the Mishnah says that if you have three people, then we're not concerned. We don't have this worry that one of the three is going to want to marry this woman and the other two are part of this plan. We don't assume such a thing. We said in the end that by Chalitza and by Mian, where it requires a Bezin of three, a court system of three, uh, a, a court of three, so then we say that one of the three could marry because we don't have such a concern. So what's the case here? of annulling, the potential to annul a vow, how many people are we referring to here? So the Gemara explains, the case is really of one individual, because it could happen sometimes that one individual could annul a vow. There's a single expert. We have cases where there's a single expert, and that single expert could annul a vow. And so that's what we're discussing here, where there's a single expert who had the potential to annul a vow, he did not, and so therefore, then they got divorced, and we are concerned that people will start saying that the reason why he didn't annul a vow was so that she gets divorced, and then that's why he wants to marry her. So therefore, we say he's not allowed to marry her because we're dealing with one individual. Um, and so that's what the Gemara concludes. We're discussing one individual here, even though in general, we require three to annul a vow. The other area of halacha where we say that one would work if it's, a, if it's one individual who's an expert, even though in general, we want three for a court, is with regards to dine mamanos, with regards to monetary issues, uh, things that are involved with monetary issues, if, if the two sides agree to um, to have one person judge them, so then that would also that would also work. But those are the two areas of law, by the annulling of vows and by monetary issues, that one person could act as a judge. The Gemara continues to the second case of the Mishnah. The second case of the Mishnah is the case of mion or chalitza, which requires a Beisdin to do Mian. Again, the Mian is the case of a girl who's under the age of 12 and wants to annul the marriage completely. Uh, so that has to be done in front of a Beisdin. Or they want to do Chalitza in the context of a Yibam scenario where the husband passes away without children. And so then the sister-in-law and brother-in-law, they do Chalitza. That also requires a Beisdin. 
So, and that removes, in both cases, it removes the wife or sister-in-law from the brother-in-law from the husband. So the Gemara says, time, and that's because it's in front of three people. So the Gemara says, is it specifically three? Time of the Bezin, the implication is that it's specifically Bezin, betray low. The implication is, what happens when you have only two people? What happens if you have two people? If you have two people and she's getting divorced based on two people, uh, do we say that the one other person is also part of the plan, even though he's not marrying her? Or do we say even with regards to two, the only time that there's a concern is only if there's one person alone who's involved? But it seems to be that it's only if there's three. It's a bezdin. It says the, the Mishnah says mipneishu bezdin because it's a bezdin. The bezdin needs three. The implication is that if there are two people who are involved, then we are concerned that the other person is in on the plan. So the Gemara says maishna mehatet non. But we have a Mishnah which doesn't imply that. It says edim achasum al shdei mekach. The al get isha lo chashuchacham l'darazeh. Let's say you have two people signing on a on a uh, on a field's bill of sale. That there's a document that said that uh, this field was sold to, to to so-and-so. And we have two witnesses who sign on the sale. Or there's two witnesses on the divorce document of a divorce. So that's both cases are referring to two people. We are not concerned. That witness could marry the wife. The witness could then purchase the field. We are not concerned that there are going to be rumors going around saying, oh, they only did this so that it's easier for them to purchase the field. Or they only did this so that they can marry the wife, no, because it required two people to sign it. So therefore, we do, we are not concerned for these rumors because the other person would not be in on the plan for the first person to marry the wife. He wouldn't agree to just make something up uh, so that uh, so that the first witness could uh, could marry could then go marry the wife. Um, so that that we are not concerned about. However, it is important to point out that when it comes to monetary issues. Uh, so when it comes to getting married, so then only one, only one man can marry the woman, so they cannot team up together. When it comes to monetary issues, there would be a concern. Let's say in the case of the field, uh, so many do say that there would be a concern that if both witnesses then want to purchase the field, that they're going to make uh, that attempt to purchase the field that would not be allowed, because if both witnesses are in on it together, so then it's not just one person had the idea and the other person tags along, both are actually involved in this process itself, and then we would say that that would disqualify them from purchasing the field. Anyways, in the Gemara's context, they're really asking a question, because it seems like from our Mishnah that the only time that we're not concerned if the, if it's in front of three, if we need three people to be involved. This other Mishnah that we quoted, it's a Brisa, it says that even if it's just two, we are not concerned that one person has this whole plan, and the other person is just helping the other person out, even though they're not, not involved whatsoever. Uh, so it seems that we're not concerned for two either. So the Gemara says, no, you're right, we're not concerned for two. The only time we're concerned is if it's one individual, and it's based on him alone, uh, that they're trying to create the scenario where the wife gets divorced, then we say that person, uh, there's the potential that they're creating the scenario where the wife will get divorced, then we'll say that the person cannot uh, marry the wife. But if it's any more than one, if it's two or three, uh, so then we are not concerned. And the purpose of the Mishnah is The purpose of our Mishnah is really a side point. The Mishnah is just teaching us that don't think Mion could be done in front of two. No, Mion has to be done in front of three. It has to be done in front of a Beisdin of three, which is a side point. But it's true that if it was done in front of, not Mion, but if, if anything was done in front of two people, like let's say two witnesses, we needed two people, then we are not concerned that there will be these rumors out there uh, that one one witness did this so that 
he could marry the wife or, or purchase the field because that would require the other witness to also be a part of this plan and we're not concerned uh, about that scenario. Okay, one last point of the, Gemara, of the Gemara and this concludes the Gemara on this Mishnah. In the next recording, for the next daf, we will begin a new Mishnah. The Gemara asks Ibailu. They have the following question. In our Mishnah, we said that you're not allowed to get married. In the first case, at least. You said you're not allowed to get married if the Chacham, if the uh, Rabbi does not annul the vow and then they get divorced, he's not allowed to marry. What happens if they do? This is also a question that we had in other cases as well. Kanas Mahushiyotzi. Are you allowed to get, do, they, do we require them to get divorced? So this is a Machlokas. Rav Kahana Amar Kanas Motzi. Rav Kahana says that if they get married, they would have to get divorced. Um, Rav Ashi Amar Rav Ashi says, no, Kanas Ena Motzi, that if they get married, they do not have to get divorced. Tani Luhu, Rav Zuti, Debei, Rav Papi, Kedivri Omer, Kanas Ena Motzi. And Rav Zuti says uh, that Rav Papi, the Academy of Rav Papi taught that you do not get divorced. So they say, how do they know that you don't get divorced? What's the source for this? that they don't have to get divorced. Is this based on a tradition that you have? Or is this based on logic? Did you come on to this conclusion on your own? So he says, no, it's, it's from logic. It's based off a Mishnah that we had, not the last Mishnah, but the one before that. In the case where there are rumors that a non-Jew is dating a Jew, um, and in that case, then, she, then the non-Jew converts, and then they get married. We say you're not allowed to get married, but if you got married, you don't have to get divorced. So we see, Alma, we see from this, that we see from this that on the account of a rumor, it does not require a divorce. Just based on rumors alone, that you're not allowed to get married because we're concerned for the rumors and that you're gonna, it's going to be bad for you uh, and you're going to have a bad reputation. But once you get married, we do not require you uh, to get divorced. And that's the conclusion of the Gemara. Just one point is that we had other cases where the Gemara did not bring this up. This question of once it's not, you're not allowed to get married, if they did get married, do they have to get divorced? And that was from the last Mishnah. The Mishnah discussed the various cases of either there's one individual who's bringing a get, a divorce document, he's the messenger, and he has to testify that the get was written, the divorce document was written properly, and we're relying on one person alone. Or in the cases where one person says... I know that your husband died. In those cases, we say you're not allowed to marry the wife. It never discusses, well, what happens if you do the marry the wife? Do you have to get divorced? And so, uh, this is a big machlokas. This is a big dispute. Some say that when the Gemara is asking this now, in our Gemara, they're also referring to the other Mishnah and saying that, yeah, that you do not have to get divorced uh, because it's all based on rumors, so we don't let you get married. But once you got married, so then you do not have to get divorced. However... There are others who say that, no, you in those cases, you would have to get divorced. Why? Because in those cases, if the rumors are actually true, if it's actually true that you're making something up, that really you said that the divorce document was, was correct, but it, wasn't written, it was not written properly, or you testify that the husband died, and the husband really did not die, in those cases, if the rumors are true, then she's actually married to her original husband. The original husband is still married to her, and then it would be forbidden for you to remain uh, with this with this woman because she's still married to her first husband if the rumors are true. In all the other cases, if the rumors are true, it looks bad. It looks bad and it confirms the fact that the non-Jew was dating the Jew and it confirms the fact that the the uh, the rabbi, it, it seems to confirm, uh, the rumors are that it seems to confirm the fact that the rabbi didn't then all the vows because he wanted to marry her. In the end of the day though, in all those cases, she's divorced from her 
she, she's a single woman, whether she's divorced from her husband or she was always single, she's a single woman. And so therefore we'll say that if they get to, if they got married, they shouldn't get married, but if they got married, they, they, should, they could remain together. However, there are those that want to say in the case of where a person testifies and says uh, that your husband died, if the rumors are actually true that he made it up, so then he's, she's actually married, and so therefore we would say uh, that you would have to get divorced. So that is a machlokas. That's a dispute in those cases of saying that your husband died or you are the one person they're relying upon as a messenger for the divorce document to say that it was written properly. If it wasn't written properly, that would cause problems within the divorce. And she's really married, so then in those cases there's a machlokas. There's a dispute whether or not if they got married, do they have to get divorced or do they not have to get divorced? Could they remain uh, living together? Okay, that concludes the Gemara for this week.